I'm Gab, he's Jules. Blue skies over West London. Uh, blue is still in Munich, sort of, not really. Definitely dark skies oh, yes. over Borussia Dortmund. Uh, it's the end of the Bundesliga. Remarkable stuff, remarkable ending. You can say follow the script. We've got Jan Agafjortov with us. I'm just going to sum, sum this up as quickly as I can. All that Borussia Dortmund needed to do was equal or better Bayern Munich's result. Uh, which meant, hey, easy. We're, we're playing Mainz at home, right? Um, easy peasy. Mainz have nothing to play for. And yet somehow after, what, 25 minutes, they're two goals down and they've missed a penalty. They've totally soiled the bed on this one. <laughs> I have defended them. I have defended Turkic. I said, look, they've overcome all their struggles of the past. Let's not live by stereotypes, spurs, interspersiness. There's no such thing. Jan, I was wrong. These people are cursed by the gods. We were all wrong, Gab. Uh, I think we should have Adele with some music in the background. There's 81,000 inside. There are 60,000 outside, all ready for a party, all ready for a day to remember for the rest of their lives. And the good news, they will remember this day for the rest of their life because this was so a lost opportunity. And you will say, we are both, we are all three of us are romantic. We want that story. We love the Bundesliga. We want another team to win it, not against Bayern, but we just want someone to kind of stop Bayern doing what they've done now for ages. And then again, Mines, only Mines, and to respect to Mines, they did a, did a, a, a great job there. But do I have sympathy for Dortmund? Do I feel sorry for them? No, I'm sorry. We're in the sport. We are in the business of sport. And if you can't take the heat, get the beep out of the kitchen. (laughs) Jules, Mainz had lost four games in a row going into this. And you know what? I I know it's not going to solve anything, but um, the expected goals for for Borussia Dortmund, 3.81, according to stats. Six big chances missed. Uh, They tried. They tried. It's just those two stupid goals early yeah. with a crappy, stupid defending on a Wisi. I how, could you have been more open. I know. And you could yeah, I mean you could have imagined that the nerves would have been there. I mean, at home this season before the game, they had fourteen wins, one draw, one defeat. So almost a perfect uh, you know, resort and 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 everything this season. And yet because Kingsley Common scored early for Bayern, which I think everybody in the stadium in Dortmund knew about, at that time, they were not champions anymore. And I think that maybe added the pressure, added the nerves. You can see two goals, Haller missing the penalty. It's not a good pen at all. And then suddenly you're under pressure. And even if you come back, it was always, once you tune it down against a team like that, it was always going to be difficult. I, on the flip side, of course, we have Bayern. They took the lead, as Jules said, a great goal from Kingsley Coleman. And then... 81 minutes to go, Jubicic equalizes for, for Cologne, and Dortmund are suddenly champions again. Yeah. And now it only lasts, what, seven minutes until Jamal Musiala's goal. It's almost too easy to talk about mentality and all this stuff, but it will, and I'm not going to go down that road because I think it's a bit trite, but I will say this about mentality, uh, Jan. Uh, you and I think we agree on this. We think they really soiled the bed when they uh, when when they sacked Nagelsmann for Tuchel in the way they did with for the reasons that they gave uh, and with that timing. And I said Khan and Brazil have to own the decision. This is not a good season for Bayern. They're not going to hide beneath the silverware. And what do they do? It's like the Grinch that steals Christmas. They tell Khan not to even travel to the game. Oh. They fire both of them. Were you surprised it happened in this way? Well, I will just sum up the title race before. It's like I will do a Quincy Jones uh, a song. 
I did my best, but I guess my best wasn't good enough. Uh, so that's for me, Dortmund. But now, but that was clear. And we'll, we'll go into the details of the uh, Canon Bradstow thing. It was not that easy. There's word against word, but it's the ruthlessness of Bayern on the pitch and off the pitch, I think, summarized this week. So they kind of fire him after they said to him, why don't we do this friendly, Mr. Khan? Bratzo said, that's okay for me. So they fire him Friday evening, and then he don't have to go there. Why should he go there? He's not even CEO of Bayern. That is the Bayern way. But I think that we can write a book about this. This is FC Hollywood. This is FC Hollywood in front of us, doing what they've always done. And uh, yeah... Nagelsmann is a paradox, isn't it? Khan being mad now that he was fired the way he was. And this was the guy who fired Nagelsmann without him knowing being in a ski holiday. Yeah, I, you know, I genuinely want, I wonder what Tony Tapalovic has to say about uh, all this, uh, among other things. Um, Jules, I I guess it is what, it is what big clubs do, looking beyond the results onto the performance, realizing there's something to do. We're going to get into this. We're going to get into uh, to a lot more. I'm going to give a shout out to my man on the Tegan Zay because we know, we know who is responsible for all this. Do, do, pulling do, the strings do, behind do, the curtain. Do, 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 do. It's big Uli Hernis. Shout out to Uli. We love you. All right. Uh, for those who don't know, I feel I need to give some. For those who aren't that well-versed, Oli Hoeneß, legendary former player, manager, sausage factory owner, genius, credited with creating the modern Bayern, also got into some trouble a while back for not paying all of his taxes. The man who bought Pep Guardiola to the club. He officially has no role at Bayern, but Jan, he's the man behind the scenes. He's got his people high up in the organization. Um, I think Khan and Brazo, not necessarily his people. Now they're back. Sorry, now they're gone. Although it's not entirely 100% a win because there's a lot of rumors that Karl-Heinz Rummenigge, another legendary former president, former former superstar center forward, uh, somebody who worked with Hernes, didn't always see eye to eye with Hernes. He's on his way back in. So are, are they just getting the old gang back together? Yes, they are. And uh, Ole has got up kind of form a role that he's he's sitting in the Aufsichtsrat with the supervisory board of of Bayern. But now he's getting his people together again. And I think that Uli Hoeneß, as you said it at the beginning, he is, is this is his club. He's been there since he was 27, 28, end of 70s. This is his club. He is the Don Corleone. He's everything at this club. So what I think that the big mistake Uli Hoeneß did was that if you bring in a coach, if you bring in a head of sport, they... The skill to be a former player is important because of identity, because of loyalty, and understand the culture of the club, fine. But I think that the big mistake is when you bring in a CEO of a club, because that is nothing to do, it's a sport as well, but it's being the head of one of the biggest brands in Germany. And to bring in Oliver Kahn just on the skill that he took some business courses, that he that he, he was a former player, that was not good enough. And I think that Uli Hoeneß realized that. Bratzo, you could do a head of sport. You would say, was he qualified for doing that? But still, that happened in football, that you put in head of sport that has been at the club. But it was a big mistake to, to get Oliver Kahn. He was not good enough. And it was not, not a way that he could fill that role. And Uli Hoeneß realized that. Uli Hoeneß hasn't said a word for ages. The only thing he did 
was to come in and talk to Tuchel for 20 minutes underground with the whole press there. You say it best when you say nothing at all. And that we all know that that was gone. That Oliver Kahn was gone uh, after uh, we saw that. And he was not a popular among the employees uh, at the club. Uh, he, it, it will be difficult for any CEO coming after Ole Hernes, but I don't think that the approach Oliver Kahn did to the job was right. And then that is, I've said many times the last couple of days, that is the name of the game. Then you have to go. Yeah, it's not a great moment for legendary Bayern goalkeepers between Kahn and I, I wouldn't, I don't know where Manuel Neuer's, what his future yeah. is looking like uh, either, frankly, at this point. But, but it's been a bad season. It's, uh, 71 points. This has to be one of the lowest. Their lowest season since 2011-12, I think. And so Nagelsmann paid for it at some point. He paid for the dressing room not being too happy. He paid maybe right. for a difficult relationship. They weren't on track to get 71 points. No, no, points, but it doesn't matter. He, he paid, okay. If everything was rosy and good, they would not have sacked him. So it's, there were clear issues there. There were issues there, Gab. You don't sack someone for no reasons. Right. It doesn't mean that those are the reasons to sack him. I don't want to go no, back no, no, through but, the Nagelsmann thing. But whether like, it's a good call or not, it doesn't matter. You sack him for a reason. So at some point, someone is responsible for the bad season, whether that can, Nagelsmann, Brazo, Tuchel. Tuchel. Yeah, Tuchel. 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Why is Tuchel I, responsible for the bad season? Because Tuchel lost more games since taking over than, um, than, than Nagelsmann had lost in like 18 months uh, leading by and something like that. Because Tuchel was brought in to go and rescue the season and he got knocked out badly of two competitions. So to exonerate Tuchel, and I heard you guys say Tuchel comes into the stronger. I, I look, and again, as you know, I am the number one Tuchelista. However, I think in the real world, there has to be a situation where Tuchel has to be held responsible for the way this season ended. Uh, you know, the fact that you can so. cite the 71 points, um, they wouldn't have had that 71 points if he'd stayed. He was not on track we, to for 71 points. He was on track for, for far more than that. We don't know. Yeah, but you don't know that. You can't say, like, if Nagelsmann had stayed, they would have won 81 points. We don't know. And you, you can look again at Tuchel against City, where I don't think Bayern were that much, like weaker than City, especially if you look at the expected goals, especially in that second game. The Cup, they lost against Freiburg, who had two, yeah, well, yeah. one penalty, one incredible goal, and Bayern had a lot of chances again. I think it's really harsh. I don't know what you think, Jan, but I think it's really harsh to put some of the blame on Tuchel for an average season like that. Yes, if you saw the mandate at that press conference where Tuchel came in, I, I, then I, I go with, with Gab in the thing that he will come in to kind of secure them the trouble. I mean, that was the, that was the propaganda being said. Like he should, yeah, so, he's out, so he's out of the cup, out of the Champions League. But you have to see the, the big picture here. Because first of all, someone got to be responsible for a very bad season of Bayern. And it is a traditional Bayern. This is not the first time they're firing a manager. They fired Otto Rehagel before the UEFA Cup final. They took a title away from him. And this guy still can't believe that. He's in his 80s now. So that could happen. So to put a lot of blame on Tuchel, I mean, you can say that he didn't turn the team around as quick as everybody hoped for. But there are clearly... If you want to evaluate this season, you, okay, Nagelsmann, done. That happened in football, that you fire the manager. You've seen in England, success or not success, but still, it happened all the time. But the problem is with uh, Salon Hrahamicic, uh, I can't even say, I said Bratso, no, it's easier when I'm uh, enthusiastic about this. Bratso 
the recruitment this season hasn't been good enough. When they played yeah. Manchester City, I think it was five of six new players, only Delic played, and they spent a lot of money. So that was his responsibility. Oliver Kahn is the head of everything. Uh, Bayern Munich have had a terrible season, and they paid the price. Should we take the long discussion about loyalty, long-term thinking, and everything? But that's not Bayern. And if you get into Bayern, that is a part of the thing. So if you're a coach of Bayern, you can't say that, give me time. Because that is the only thing that is luxury at Bayern is time. There's no chance. So Nagelsmann, at that time, should he have done it for the rest of the season? Maybe he should. Would he end up with even more than Tuchel? Maybe he should. But that was not good enough for Bayern. Sorry, Gab. That was not good enough. And he had to I pay agree. the price, Nagelsmann. Um, throwing forward to Bayern, because obviously... I think most people say, well, Lewandowski leaving left them a, a large Lewandowski-shaped hole at, at center forward, one that Mane couldn't fill. Uh, they're going to need to get a center forward. The issue with the young players, too, you know, you spent, you you invested either, some of these were free transfers, but, you know, Masrawi, um, Ryan Gravenberg, yeah. Matisse Tell, who for some reason people in Germany think is the second coming. I, I don't know. Um <laughs> All these guys, one of the reasons cited for Nagelsmann um, being let go was, oh, you didn't play Matisse Telmore, you didn't find space for these other players. I, I'm curious now, how does how does he go and approach this, and how does he approach one of my favorite subjects, which is the Musiala-Muller dichotomy? Because there was a couple of games where he played a 4-1-4-1 system with Kimmich in front of the back four, where it looked kind of like last season's Manchester City, um, where you had Moller and Musiala together. But Moller and Musiala together, plus a center forward, Kimmich on his own in front of the back four. If you're going to have attacking wing backs, yeah. that's really difficult to do, right, Jan? I, I, yeah, and I, and I have a theory, and maybe this is not right, but I have a theory. Because, first of all, we have to understand the environment in Germany. Because every time Bayern loses and Müller is not there, he should have been there and they would have won. Uh, but if they lose and Müller is not there, we don't talk about it. When, when Müller is there, we don't talk about that. He, uh, I asked in, in a German studio, I said, was he in Qatar as well, Müller? Yes. Okay. Now I'm just wondering because Müller, this is the position of Müller and rightly so, he's earned his position. But I think that Tuchel will now start with getting the team younger and sharper. And I'm not sure that Thomas Müller would have a long-term relationship to Bayern. First of all, he's old. And secondly, he has to accept a new role. He has to accept what Mats Hummels, to be fair to him, I've been critical to Mats Hummels, but he accepted his position this season. He won't play all games. I don't think Nagelsmann was strong enough to do that. Because well, if you have Musiala there, I mean, Musiala got to play. He's one of the most promising young players in the world. And if he doesn't play, he has to leave Bayern. That is a well, fact. It, 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 it's really good to say that. And I want to uh, just follow up with you for a second there, Jan. Uh, as a former player, right? Because especially somebody like Muller, who's been, been so good for so long, right? There is, comes a moment, it'll even come for Cristiano and Messi. Yeah, of course. Maybe it's already come, where you say, you know what? I can't do what I did before. And yet you always tell yourself that you have to be mentally strong, that you can achieve more than what, than what your skills tell you you can achieve. How do you... I want to ask you, how do you handle that dichotomy? Is it something that Tuchel can do on his own? Does he need Hernes's backing? How does Hernes feel about Thomas Muller? And also, what can you do with Thomas Muller? Because Hummels, you could send back to Borussia Dortmund. 
I, there's nowhere else for Mueller to go unless maybe you make him CEO in space of, you know, send him business school, make him CEO in place of Oliver Kahn. Well, how do you handle this? What can you do? And don't laugh because Thomas Mueller will probably be a candidate for that in the next three, four years if it comes to the, uh, the harness way. What is interesting with Bayern, they were lucky with Philip Lam that he retired when he did. They were lucky with Bastian Schweinsteiger going to Manchester United. That was like his yeah. golden handshake. He went away. This is difficult. It's very difficult. In my, in my career, I remember Felix Margaret came to me at the end of my Frankfurt time and he said, Jan, you're in an age now you, uh, I will uh, try to get young strikers in. I can't give you any promise of anything. Yeah, I said, that's fine. I'm a part of my career. I will stay on fight for my minutes and I will try to get as many games as I can. But this is hard as better you get. You see that with Ronaldo. You will probably now see that with, with Messi as well, what it will do at the end of uh, his career. So I, this is all up to Thomas Müller, but we have to understand Thomas Müller's position in German football. You have to understand his position at Bayern. And we take this for granted because we love the Bundesliga. We follow Bundesliga. But listen, Thomas Tuchel puts Thomas Müller on the bench. What is happening? Bratzo and Oliver Kahn, Oliver Kahn is the CEO, they take him into a meeting in Semmelstrasse and it's all over the papers that they tell him, just be in there. Can you imagine if Klopp put Nunez on the bench and there were some CEOs of Liverpool take him in, into a meeting and say, listen, we know that you're struggling with Klopp at the moment, but just be patient because you're so important for us. But in, in Germany, we take this, yeah, that's the way it's going to be. So this is Thomas Tuchel's challenge now. What to do with Thomas Tuchel? I think that Manuel Neuer will have his position because he's a goalkeeper. I think that is different. Uh, and but, but it would still be a challenge there as well. What do you do with Nubel? What do you do with Sommer? What do you do with, uh, what do you do with a new goalkeeper? Because Manuel Neuer can't play forever. Well, I'm just waiting for us to hear what happens to Ulreich. Of course, that's what we're all waiting for. Um, <laughs> but Ju just for that, Ju next season is fascinating already to know what Tuchel is going to do. And when we said with Jan earlier, when we were preparing for the show, that... It feels like Tuchel is in a strong position because now the club is going to go and get a sporting director to, to replace Salihamidzic. And surely Tuchel will have, will be part of that, you would think, or maybe would be consulted at least, because you need a strong relationship between Tuchel and whoever comes in as sporting director with that Max Herber or whoever they're, they're going for. And also because Tuchel will say, okay, like, I don't want those guys that you signed with Nagelsmann, that Brazos signed. I don't want Sergio Mane. I don't want him. I don't want him. I don't want him. I don't want Bunasa. But I want this profile and this player and et cetera, et cetera. And let's see if they back him up in the summer. Mm -hmm. But already next season, between the, the pressure of doing better than this season, what to do with Muller, what to do when Neuer comes back, and then who's going to come in, who's going to leave the club. If Sergio Mane leaves the club this summer, this is a huge story. It's a massive failure from a club like Bayern not to have been able to accommodate a player of this time. Whether it might be his fault, maybe it's the, the club's fault, I don't, I don't know, I don't care. But imagine spending that money on Sergio Mane and then 12 mm. months later thinking, oh, you know what, just no, it didn't and work out. We're going to sell you at a loss because there's no way they're going to make that money back. And likely taking a huge loss, yeah. unless he goes to Saudi Arabia and plays with yeah. Cristiano. Um, you never know. Uh, I want to chuck it over to, to Dortmund. Um, Again, my attitude is to be a little bullish on the future. In the sense, yes, next season they'll come back, probably without Jude Bellingham, but you know they'll have a big wad of money in his place. Yeah. If they can heal from the trauma, and I know that's a big if. But can you from that? 
I mean, people have suffered setbacks, right? Know, but that's a hell of a setback. Oh, look, Sebastian Haller came back from having freaking cancer, right? He could heal from a missed penalty no, no, for sure. and a terrible but, performance. Because, by the way, the first goal, I yeah, saw yeah. was down to him as much as, as, as Emery Sean. Um, I don't think they're in a bad position. My one thing about this club, which I don't understand, and please, you, Jan, you help me understand. It's tense. It matters. The stakes are high. You need to make a substitution. And you send on uh, this 17-year-old kid? Just on 17 years, Julien Duranville. Julien Duranville, who... I never played for Dortmund before. Literally has never played. You send him on your debut in a title decider when you have, I think at that point, they, they had Mukoko on the bench, they had uh, no, no, Anthony no. Modest. They had Gio Reyna, who, you know, a portion of people in the U.S. think that he's the reason they were even competing for the title at this stage. Can you talk a little bit about that Dortmund mentality? That, that Because I didn't mean to Italian about this, but this is not the time. I'm not saying he cost them the game, although I don't think he was great when he came on. Yeah, it was not um, too bad, I thought. But what, what would prompt the manager to do that? What, what would make Edin Terzic say, like, yeah, rather than guys who got us this far, who've been through the wars, I'm going to send in this 17-year-old kid for his debut? Well, I think if, if I'm going to be very populistic, if I'm going to be very tabloid, I think there are times when a manager get that feeling, I have to do something very, very differently. With other coaches, you could say you get a God syndrome because you will think that if I put this guy on now and he get the decider, that was a big decision by the manager, Edin Terzic. I'm not saying Edin Terzic did that, but I reacted the same way uh, you guys uh, are doing. Uh, to, to Dortmund... Uh, how they, they do things, I think it's down to cultures. It's, it's down to, you, you have to get that winning culture back. Like Manchester City in the Champions League, Arsenal in the Premier League, you need to do that. If, if we tell some people coming down from another planet and they will say what happened is typical Dortmund and typical Bayern and they will, they will understand straight away what we mean because that will never happen to Bayern. When was the last time Bayern lost something? That must be before the Bundesliga was even founded. So this is building up a foundation and Edin Terzic, I like him. He is, I mean, the story we could have discussed today that fan who was standing in the stands, he's there, he's at Dortmund, he's black and yellow, this is the man. But at the end of the day, Gabon, I think we could agree on this. Goal difference, yes. Time, yes. That is sport. That is sport. And when you put on a debut and you have Modest, as you were saying, and Reina, and I love the Americans with the Pulisic and Reina, there is always a conspiracy against every American. And I, that is a part of the discussion we, we do have. But I don't think football in a large number is based on decisions, is based on the consequences of your decisions. And I think that is quite illustrative, if this is the English word for it, the way that they kind of lost it at the end. And now, Gab, you can have a big time saying that you can't do that on goal difference. But I think, well, that's a part of, part of the game again. I don't know if you can come back from that. I don't know how long it will take them. That's what I mean. Next season, all we're going to talk about from the start of this season to maybe mid-season is Dortmund. If they start not well... Oh, yeah. this is about... Even if they start well, we say, okay, they might start well, but we know what happened last year. We will always come back to last year. Always come back to that minds game. Always. Or, and yeah, Bellingham won't be there. There might be a few changes. I, I would expect Terzic to still be there. But it's going to be... I don't know, man. Hey, 
So for those people who expect maybe a different winner next year, when you look at Borussia Dortmund next year, they'll be without Bellingham almost certainly. We know Leipzig will be without Christopher Nkunku, yeah. not only their best player, but the top scorer in the Bundesliga yeah. this season, alongside the legendary Nicholas Fulkrug. Um it's another Bayern win before we even this, before yeah. we even get started, and that I think is what some people will depress some people. I, I want to end it on this point. This is not people said. Oh, look, you're a Dortmund fan. I'm not a Dortmund fan. I could care less about Dortmund. In fact, Dortmund annoy me many times. Um, <laughs> and by the way, it was just Jordan. Remember years ago they they, they played Knauf in some yeah. big uh, Champions League game, and he's the guy who also for his debut. They started him. I mean, yeah, it's whatever. Not 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 the way I would do things, but. In Italy, for many years, we had a rule that said if two teams finish level at the top of the table at the end of the season, it's so special, we cannot give the title based on head-to-head or based on goal difference. It actually had only happened once in history, I think in 1964, Inter against Bologna. Then they changed it a few years ago. They said, let's become like everybody else. Let's do it either based on head-to-head like they do in uh, in, in Spain or goal difference you like hate they do that, in England. Don't you? I absolutely hate this. <laughs> it is such a rare occurrence. I think for a World Cup final, and if two teams finish level, you send everybody home and you say, guys, let's come back and let's settle this on the pitch. And I'll tell you why briefly, and you could all tell me that I'm mad. And by the way, this is not an excuse. Everybody knows ahead of time that it's goal difference or head-to-head. Leaving aside the obvious that it would be incredibly exciting. Leaving aside the obvious that... It robs us of finishes, right? Because if you have a situation where one team is 20 goals ahead on goal difference, uh, and you know, or head to head, you know that they can't make up the difference. Um, it creates potentially weirdo, suspicious situations with goal differences, which yeah. has happened in the past, and teams with nothing to play for. Um, it's arbitrary to the point that, you know, if a po- opposing goalkeeper gets sent off, after five minutes in a game and then somebody else and then the reserve gets injured and stuff and Fjortoft goes in goal and they ship 12 goals. It's got nothing to do with anything, right? Um, I I think this is what they should do and I know there's an issue with fixture congestion. Most of all for me is the goal of the, the, the point of the season, we decide a champion by who gets the most points. That is the only thing we decided on. Yeah. We don't do it based on who beats who head-to-head. We don't do it based on goal difference. We don't make the league table based on goal difference. We just do it on points. So if you guys both finish level of points, there's two solutions. Either you share the title, but let's yeah. say so that's kind of lame, <laughs> or you settle it mano a mano, like professionals, 90 minutes. You're a good lawyer. You're a good lawyer, Gab. Uh, Thank you. You, you, could, you could defend that. Uh, I think the... When you compare it with the World Cup final, that's something else because I, I don't think you can compare cup with league. Uh, that is one thing. Uh, but I, I, I can understand what you do and I can understand what you're saying. I don't think it's realistic that it will be changed because it's very accepted by the fans. If I can, at the end of my last speaking time, can say two things, is that what I think should be changed, and, and we're a part of TV industry, so I don't think it will be changed, but I, I think that the two last rounds should be on the same time. I think that the last round, when they're playing on different times, I don't think that that is fair uh, in the terms. And I just want to play into something else that is maybe another episode, another discussion, but maybe if you see the table now, and and you were saying, Gab, with the low low points that the winner got this year is like 11, 12 years ago, Imagine RB Leipzig. Maybe they're sitting there now thinking, and Kunku, if he was fit all season, was this yeah. our big chance to win the league? As for now, if we're going to do a prediction now, 
Bayern Munich would probably get a, a, a great striker. Tuchel, yeah. our main man, will make them win the league with 13 points. Right. Jules, you get the last word on this. Okay. Before, by the way, before I remind everybody of one other thing, right? We're all used to the playoffs, right? We've got promotion yeah. playoffs in England, in Italy, yeah, and so on. Playoffs. Oh, look. Somebody can finish in sixth place, 30 points behind the third place team, and then they go, they advance to the Premier League in the playoffs. They get 200 million, richest game in world football. Oh, isn't it great? Isn't it fun? Isn't it wonderful, right? So if people can wrap their heads around that, <laughs> they can wrap their heads around this. Jules, you got I love story. your passion, Gabby, but I knew that was coming, the, uh, the penalty. Yeah, we, we might have gone through this before. Difference. We've had this conversation before. Um, I, would, I would happily have a decider, like a decider, like game between Bayern and Dortmund or whoever else is level. Uh, but I think Jan makes some good points as well about there's a reason why there's good difference or head-to-head. The season is 38 games long, not 39. Even if you're both level, at some point you have to 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 separate two, two clubs or two teams who are, even if they have the same point. And you can understand if, if I beat you head-to-head twice in the season, I've been better than you twice, depending on the circumstances. If you want to make that argument, then you can't make the 38 seasons, 38 games, because it means you lost to somebody else. But, right? but, but then goal difference, right. which I know you hate even probably more than head I to do. head, <laughs> you know, it makes sense for some people. So. Yeah, what's really funny is if you go down the tiebreakers, even in the Premier League, at some point, I'm assuming you get to drawing lots, right? If you have the same yeah. goal difference, same head to head, same goal scored, same yeah. goal scored, you know, which I don't know. It seems, seems silly to me. I think the playoff gap, I think that the metaphor with the, with the playoff is interesting. But listen, when, when you do like Luton now, they got the extra chance. Sheffield United and Burnley are already up. They are there on merit. So the third position, the third league going into the Premier League, that is an extra chance. I think well, that we is a do that for difference. Fun. No, no, but Let's I'm saying... Let's Champions it, League playoffs. I want to yeah, see more if, of If Burnley and Sheffield United also have to go into playoffs, that would, people wouldn't love that as much as they do now. No, I'm with you on that. Uh, Jan, it's been a pleasure and a privilege. Thank you so much. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, enough Bundesliga. How about some quick hits instead? Let's go, Gab. Harry Kane scores two goals as Tottenham beat Leeds 4-1, relegating them to the championships. Uh, Jules, I guess the big Sam experiment didn't work out, but... How impressed are you with Kane's 30 goals? Yeah, I mean, let's start with Kane. I think it's an incredible achievement considering how bad his team has been all season. And when you think that Erling Haaland scored 36 in a much, much, much better team, in a City team that creates so much and has created so many chances for him, it's almost, I would see it almost as a better season for Kane individually. I mean, Haaland has been great and City have been amazing. But Kane's 30 goals in that Spurs team I think speaks so much volume, maybe even more slightly than Haaland. Yeah, and uh, I think it's the second time he's hit the 30-goal mark in a, in a league yeah, season. Um, the only other player in the Premier League era who's done it more than once is, is yeah. Alan Shearer, who, of sure. course, is a legend. As for Big Sam, 
I mean, they were outside of the I, bottom three when he arrived. What's going on, Big Sam? He, what's going on is also like... I know, but he, he literally get, I know. I they know. were not in the bottom three when he arrived. No, no, no. And he gave the impression of somebody who's just like, oh, well, we're not good defense. I don't know. He did not come across no. well. But remember, hey. he's as good as Pep and Jorgen. Stop it. So. A stunning goal from the very French and very handsome Olivier Giroud gives Milan a 1-0 win away to Juventus, guaranteeing them Champions League football next season. How important was this big? I, I think it's really big. I, I think it's really big. Um, Milan didn't play particularly well. No. It was kind of a plodding game. Uh, Juve, though, were even worse. Yeah. So, um, but it's important for them. It's important because, you know, after the season they have, where obviously they went deep into Europe, um, their bench contributed very little this year. They're going to have some big calls to make. They committed a lot of money to Rafael Leal. Yeah, yeah. They're going to have to, you know, add more pieces and add more depth. And I think... Being in the Champions League again is important for the brand, important for where they want to yeah. be. Max Allegri says that without the penalty, Juventus would be third. And he also said oh. that, look, if I'm just a guy who just wanted to win, I would have joined another club. Really? I wouldn't have come back here. Okay. Are you impressed with this selflessness? Absolutely not. No. Uh, I think he is the problem or part of the problem. Two seasons in a row, now Juve doesn't, don't win anything. No trophy, uh, nothing. I don't think the... The, the, the points deduction helped, of course, psychologically and everything. And they can still get a Europa League spot, depending on what happens in the last game of yeah, the season. Yeah, but then they'll just take with, it away from them, so it doesn't really yeah, matter. Yeah, probably UEFA as well. It's just, I think he's, it's been a shocking season in a season where they haven't played well at all, where a player like Vlaovic, for example, underachieved mostly because of the way the team was playing around him. And I blame Allegri for that. So you, you know what bugs me no about this? What really bugs me about this is the way he comes across because he let it be known that he chose Juve, saying knowing that they wouldn't win, right? And this was a summer when, like, uh, if you remember, you know, they added Chiesa, they spent a yeah, lot of money yeah. on Chiesa. Then they got uh, they got Vlaovic six months later. Uh, the guys before him, Sari and Pirlo, yeah. uh, they won stuff and got many more points than he did in more difficult circumstances. Uh, he, his friends in the media telling everybody that, you know, well, he had offers from Real Madrid, he had an offer from Inter, blah, blah, blah. He chose Juve. Yeah, fine. Uh, I don't know to what degree I believe yeah, all okay. this, but fact of the matter is, uh, are you really the rebuilding man? I don't think Definitely so. Definitely not. I agree with you. And you know what? I'm not even sure Zidane would be. If, if they part ways with Allegri and think that Zidane could be the answer, I think you need... You need a big change than someone who played at the club. And Zidane yeah. is not, it's not good for rebuilding squads. There's, rebuilding there's really tough times ahead with the penalties, with the uncertainty, with a, you know eventual lack of money. Yeah. you got to rebuild. you got to challenge the fans. Uh, I'm talking like the real fans, yeah, yeah, yeah. not the Juve fans who only watch them when they win, watch on television, on dodgy streams from a distance and populate <laughs> social media. All those guys. Tell those guys to go away and say, we're going to do it with kids. It's going to take a while, but we're going to do it right. Yeah, you're right. Chelsea and Newcastle draw 1-1, but Gab, the real news is that Mauricio Pochettino has finally signed for Chelsea. Yeah, how do we know this? Woo! How do we know this? Has the, have the club made an announcement that he Not signed? Not yet, but... No, they haven't. No, no, no. This is what they, this is what they did. They're going to do it today or they tomorrow. Got, like, they waited for the season to finish. They got their servants in the media. Of course. Right? The same people who told us that he had agreed a deal. Yeah. Now they said, oh, look, he's actually signed the deal. Yeah. Look, I, I'm sure he has. I'm sure he signed the deal, right? I just don't understand why it takes this long for him to sign the deal and why they can't announce it. And none of this nonsense, oh, it would have destabilized Frank. This would have been perfect time yesterday. Chelsea, Newcastle at Stamford Bridge. Yeah. Announce it. Have him there waving to the crowd. With this you think it's gonna you think it's gonna mess up Frank Lampard? 
I, mean, I, 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 to me, to me, this is more bad PR from Chelsea. Either that, or there's a reason why it has taken this long. Yeah. Time will tell. All right, I think we need some more quick hits. Yes, God. Huge and unexpected news out of France, Jules. Paris Saint-Germain draw 1-1 with Strasbourg. That means they're champions for the ninth time in the last 11 years. You're smiling now, but something tells me this title a little bit less celebrated than all the others. It's just a bit underwhelming because the season hasn't been great. You take the titles, as Kylian reminded everybody on Sunday night. And, and it's the 11th of... The history, which is the most that any French clubs had, because Saint-Étienne had 10, Marseille have 9, and then the It's others. a very high percentage, too, given their history goes all the way back to the 1970s, uh-huh. yeah? Uh-huh. Uh, I, I'm not listening to you. It's just, <laughs> it's a title. The Marseille guy won a title, another one after the one with Lille. Uh, good for him, but I really hope he leaves the club. And, uh, and yeah, it's just Messi scored the goal that brought the, the title of course like he did last season uh, so at least he gave that and he also became I mean I know you don't care but he's got now one more goal than Cristiano for becoming in the top five leagues in Europe the highest goal scorer with 4.96 I think and Cristiano has 4.95 or something like that uh, so yeah that's where that's what we will remember alright you know and Kylian Mbappé spoke on Sunday after being voted player of the season again for the fourth year in a row and he said he was staying at PSG for next season yeah that's good news he said he stayed because he has a contract yeah but he could have said like I've got a contract but I don't want to be here anymore right yeah he could. that, that would have really sucked I or mean, he could have just said imagine. of course I'm staying um, that's I to me like I don't know what he meant I remember reading his body language I mean, it sounded like, you know, when you were a kid and your mom said, Jules, you have to go to church. And he says, yeah, of course I'm going to go to church because otherwise, like, you're going to take my brand new bicycle away. Yeah, I'm in trouble. Uh, You know what I mean? Like, uh, to me, this says another year of speculation, free agency, new contract. Yeah. And just another year of uncertainty layered on top of the imminent uncertainty with, well, Gaultier, I think, is pretty certain and messy too. But are the Qataris going to continue? Neymar, all this stuff. I don't know. All I know is in terms of leverage, in terms of his options, these short-term contracts are definitely working for yeah, him. Yeah. Manchester City wheel out the B team and lose to Brentford 1-0. Jules, nobody cares, nope. but... How about Brentford doing the double over the potential treble winners? Does that excite you? Yeah, very impressive. Even if it's a B team, the team that they beat at the Etihad, by oh. the way, was not a B team, uh, and they played really well in there. Um, great yeah, goal. but this one with Calvin Phillips and Cole Palmer, like yeah, yeah of course, no, of course, they still a good, they still have good players. Yeah. City. It's not, you know, uh, it's, it's still not you and me playing for them. It's still Pep Guardiola the manager, but impressive, the best season ever for Brentford, even if they just missed out on Europe. Uh, it's, it's an incredible season. Thomas Frank, again, yeah. we've said it many times, but Thomas Frank, what an incredible manager and the season he's been. So, but you know, head to head, really important because if Brentford and City, if they played in the Bundes, in, in, in La Liga, rather, yeah. and they'd finish level points, they'd be first champions. Yeah. You would love to see it. And from one Champions League finalist to another, as Inter beat Atalanta 3 2, Gab, Lukaku looking sharp. Uh, razor sharp, razor this sharp. Wasn't, uh, 30 seconds in, man. That goal 30 seconds in, and then later on, the assist, yeah, vintage. Or it wasn't lovely. assist because it was it was another pass from Brozovic yeah, before that. that By the way, controls the ball, threads yeah. it through, goes vertical for uh, for Lautaro. Uh, this was a big win for them, too, because Atalanta, you know, these were their last chance to, to really challenge for the top four. Um, Atalanta had a lot of players out, Inter played well. 
I think he's got. If that, could, if, could that change Lukaku and Jacko's kind of dynamic before the final? I think that's going to be fascinating to see how he plays this in the final, Simone Inzaghi. Because if you get this Lukaku with Lautaro, um, to me, that's a better solution than Jekyll. If you feel confident, then yeah. a bad game. I would rather have Jekyll and then bring Lukaku on later. Yeah. Rodrigo bags two goals as Real Madrid beat Sevilla 2-1. Jules, 19 games for him yeah. in all competitions this season. Not too shabby when you're the third option up front. You yeah. don't start every game. And when you look at the, again, talking about dynamics before, dynamics of those players from one season to another, he's the one really with the biggest progression, which is incredible. And maybe you expected that. You know that the limelight is going to be on Karim and on Vinicius, of course. But he's done extremely well. And that, I mean... I think they, there is an argument there for, to make him the player of the season for, from Real Madrid point of view. Better than Benzema, better than Vinicius maybe, better, better than Valverde or Camavinga, whoever you want. Or Courtois maybe yeah, still outstanding. Courtois, but, but, yeah. but yeah, but still, do you see what I mean? No, like, no, no question. It's incredible. No well question. done to him. He's, uh, he's special. Yeah. Manchester United beat Fulham 2-1 to lock up third place ahead of Newcastle. Gab, not too bad for Eric Ten Hag if you add the FA Cup final to come and obviously the Carabao Cup that they already won. But what do you make of him challenging Marcus Rashford to get to 40 goals this season? Well, first off, I, I know you enjoyed watching Harry Maguire out there again. Ah, um, yes. I thought it was, he, well, he didn't quite challenge him. He said like, you know, oh, I think he can score 40 goals in a season because he scored 30 this year for the yeah. first time in his career. I think Rashford probably could, but... If Rashford scores 40 goals in a season, that most likely means there is no outstanding dominant center forward uh, playing for Manchester United, yeah. which means Manchester United are worse off. I don't think we should measure Rashford by the number of goals he scores. That's uh, a I mean, he played up front in this yeah, game. Yeah, that's but a good point. Unless you see this as his future, yeah, yeah. and I don't think you do, I think you want Rashford cutting in from the wing and you want a top center forward at Manchester United. Mm. Um Arsenal romped with a 5-0 win over Wolves as Granit Xhaka bags two goals in what is possibly his final appearance. Yeah, Jules, why would he want to stay? It's a good question, Gab. Uh, I think he's, he's happy. I, I think he would fancy a last kind of chapter in his career, adventure. Also, he has, li has only one year left on his contract. Right, Arsenal. just stay and then move on Bayer a free. Bayer offering four years. At his age, it's a big, that's a big contract. Oh, you're going to make him so much money that's going to move yeah, the needle? That's not much the money. It's, the four -year, it's a, it's a four-year deal. So it's the so security So in a year from now, well. they give you a three-year deal or a two-year deal. Who cares? No, no. I never but, understand this. But if you, maybe if he doesn't take it now, it's not there from Bayer Leverkusen next season. I don't know, because they would sign someone in this position. Oh, it's his life's dream to live in Leverkusen, it a wonderful matter. city. When did Leverkusen so become what, Paris you, or New York? What would you advise him to do? Stay, stay another year Arsenal, live on a free and no. go somewhere else? This is what I think happened. I think what happened is he went to see the manager and the manager said, Granite, you're super important, but we have to start thinking of the future because Jorginho's in his 30s, Partey's in his 30s or approaching it. You're in your 30s. So we're going to bring in younger players. You can stay and fight for your spot and you can compete, but you're not going to be an automatic. You might not be an automatic choice next season. And I think he weighed that I up. I don't think that. I think he, if he'd stayed, he would have been a starter next season. But what's for sure is that he's only one year left on his contract. And Bayer Leverkusen's offer is a huge offer. You could even say from a Bayer Leverkusen point of it's view, a pay it's, a, it's a crazy offer. It's a pay cut compared to what he's getting at, uh, at Arsenal. Well, right no, the four years, though. That's the thing. Um, if I just quick, quick one on Wolves. Lopetegui, uh, I think he's done a very good yeah. thing. He was, as you know, I've, I've become a Lopetegui fan. It is kind of funny. Lopetegui, unhappy with the club and like there's this financial situation with the club. By the way, who could have seen this coming? Yeah, right? I know. I like, know, Julian. We told you. We told what's really you funny is, though, the club is run by... Agents, as we know, yeah, like George Mendes. Agent as well. And it's his agent, yeah. too. 
So this is a way of putting pressure. I know, but uh, it won't be that. Which is a shame for the Premier League to lose him, I think. Yeah, it wouldn't be a shame for the Premier League to lose Wolves if they're going to be running this way. And we told yeah. you, we told you this is not a healthy yeah, situation. That's very true. Barcelona close out the season with a 3-0 win over Mallorca. The Camp Nou on the days that Sergio Busquets and Jordi Alba say goodbye and farewell to the crowds. Gabon Sufati scored twice. Signs of things to come? Or did you prefer the tears of Jordi Alba? Like we really we talked about Busquets and Jordi Alba before. I know, but he's crying. Jordi Alba crying. You know, it's fine. It's beautiful. I mean, Ansu Fati because I'm really curious to see what happens with him. He's still only 20 years old. Uh, That second goal is beautiful. He showed you what he can do. My question is: Is he going to have to do it somewhere else? Because he's not in the starting lineup. He's more talented, I think, than some of the people who are in the starting lineup. and he's a saleable asset. And that's the reality of the club's financial situation yeah. right now. Yeah. And, you know, uh, it, it was just, there is a metaphor there in Fati and Gavi scoring because you say this is the future, yeah. this is the green line, La Masia. Uh, it's a big, big call ahead. Yeah. Wild stuff on the south coast of Southampton. Liverpool draw 4-4. Four, four. <laughs> Jules, classic last day of the season. Follies. I tell you what, Jurgen Klopp didn't mental. enjoy it. I didn't enjoy it either. That me neither, to be fair. I mean, I don't know who did because it was the, Liverpool were tuning up and cruising. And then almost so like, I enjoyed it. It's just like this. It went to three, two, four, three, two, four. So sometimes you think like, what's going on here? What's happening? Like people stop playing, stop defending, not knowing. The third goal, by the way, Suleimana second for Southampton. I told you, it's a bit of where Liverpool are opened up completely. Oh, you're because on Trent, Trent, but no, but it's not Trent's fault. It's just finding that right balance. We said of him going forward, playing as a midfielder, trying to press, etc., etc. It's a four-four draw. You know, Jogo Jota had two, Suleiman had two. Good for them. Fiorentina beat Roma two-one in a clash of European finalists. Gab Jose Mourinho played his B team and was grumpy after the game. He's all in on the Europa League final, isn't he? Well, we assume he was grumpy because he didn't speak uh, after the game. Yeah, he's all in on the Europa League final. Relationship with the club isn't great right now. I think this is escape hatch. Win the Europa League, get in the Champions League, and probably go somewhere else. A late Ronnie Kadira goal gives Union Berlin a 1 0 win over Werder Bremen at the Alte Försterei. This means the hipster underdog fairy tale is complete. Incredible. Producer Freddie, very happy. Do you think he was there? He's got the day off today. I wouldn't call him sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Too much drinking after. They'll be playing Champions League football next year, Jules. Incredible. Incredible achievement, really. Again, we're not going to say the story for, we've said it many, many times. Yeah, look it up. There's a lot of of content out there celebrating. Amazing. The way that club is run, the fans, where they were a few years ago as well. It's incredible. Uh, Good Europa League campaign this season, but next season in the Champions League, it's it's a different ball game for them, of course. So, well done. For Freiburg as well, we need to mention them because they just missed out, of course. They will finish fifth. They were fighting with Union for many, many weeks. And Christian Schreik has done an amazing job, but it's not for them. It'd be Union with Leipzig, Bayern and Dortmunds. Freiburg, of course, one of the most traditional yes. clubs. Like they're Polish, not into German, like no. 50, you know, 50 plus Multi-group one. Group no. no. Victor Ozyman scores two in Napoli's 2-2 draw with Bologna. But President Aurelio De Laurentiis confirms what we already knew, Gabi, is that coach Luciano Spalletti has asked for a sabbatical and won't lead the team next year. Seems crazy. And I mean, it was, so he's got a year left on his contract. So well, he doesn't. Keep... He had an option year. Yeah. And then De Laurenti said, sent him an email rather than talk to him. Yeah. It <laughs> says, oh, by the way, we're picking up your option year. 
Okay. And this just really annoyed Spalletti. You know, so he, he said, thought, okay, I'm not coming back. I'm going to on my farm. But they still pay him, right? Or Why don't they sack him? Um, I think they're going to work out. by Napoli, but not working. They're going to, well, he gets to go back on his farm and drive his little tractor around, yeah. which he really enjoys, uh, while wearing his muddy Ron DeSantis white boots. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I think they're going to reach some sort of more rational agreement. Um, De Laurentiis does not want him coaching uh, elsewhere next season. Okay. Um, I don't know what he wants to do. I think they're going to make a last-ditch effort. Somebody I know said put it at like 97% that he was gone. Uh, he still has a game. You know, they still have another game next weekend, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, it's not coming. Um, I, I find this whole thing just wrong. that You can have a season it's like strange. this. And, you know, but Spalletti's his own man and so is De Laurentiis. I saw his tattoo. I, you know, he had his tattoo on his, uh, yeah. his arm. I mean, oh, beautiful, man. Luton Town are in the Premier League after beating Coventry City in the playoff final. Jules, I know nothing about the present um, no. other than the fact that it's going to be uh, a real trip seeing a ground like Kenilworth Road in yeah. the top flight. I know a little bit about their past. Laurels Elstrup, the plastic pitch, the 1980s. Of course, exactly. Uh, tell me about Luton. Well, they were relegated just before the start of the Premier League. So there was football before the Premier League. I will keep reminding you, of course, they were in the top flight before the Premier League was created, if you want, in 1992. But they were relegated before and never really came up, never came up until, until this weekend. And they were even went down really, really low because they were down as, as far as the fifth division in England. So the National League here in England. And they have a guy who I believe played ago. for them at every level. Exactly, which is unprecedented before. Steve Finnan-esque. Yeah, almost like that. Uh, or Steve Cook even uh, uh, Bournemouth did, did something quite similar, but from the Nations League to fourth division, third division, right. they had four promotions in the last nine years to finally make it to the Premier League. Incredible, because as you mentioned, Kenilworth Road is this super old school, like almost weird shaped stadium, yeah. right? Yeah, there's a lot of videos 10, about this on YouTube. Fans. It's yeah. pretty incredible. It is incredible. One of the stands you have to go through, basically the houses that are around the stadium is, is something else. So well done to Luton Town and to Rob Edwards who was sacked by Watford at the start of the season, deemed not good enough for the championship to take Watford up, and he does it with Luton in the same season. Do they have any players I've heard of? Uh, no. Thank you. I didn't think so. Leipzig beat Schalke 4-2, uh, relegating their opponents to the second division. Gab, my boy Christopher Nkunku scores two more goals before leaving the club, obviously. Yeah, which he's got 16 and 20 Bundesliga starts. Incredible. Um, He's the top scorer in the Bundesliga alongside uh, uh, Mr. Full Crew, yeah, which is always such a bad season. Which is always yeah. hilarious. 22 goals overall. Look, I think there's an argument to be made. Maybe, maybe if he doesn't get injured, maybe Leipzig win the yeah. title. Maybe, maybe France win the World Cup. Maybe, of maybe. course. We don't yeah, know. I'm with I, you. I think Nkunku is really, really good. Uh, do I need to guess where he was born and bred? Paris, of course. Of course. You know, yeah, of course. He's in my team of the season, by the way, that you will see next week on the web. By the way, is he the greatest Paris Saint-Germain player that they let get away? Um, yeah. yeah, Mike. Is Magic Mike just Oh, ahead Magic him, Mike. Magic Mike. It's got to be one of the other. <laughs> Atletico Madrid beat Real Sociedad 2-1 as Antoine Griezmann consolidates his Liga Player of the Year credentials and La Real celebrate Champions League football. Yeah. Jules, win, win, win. Win, win, win. Yeah, well done, Imanol. Let's start with La Real Sociedad because incredible qualification for the Champions League, of course. Imanol doing a great, great job there. 
I mean, I think Sorloth could have scored again, maybe two goals in that game. The only, only mean, living Sorloth in captivity. Mm. He does so many good things. And then some of the easiest thing, like I literally putting my hair, like how, how? Uh, but well done to Greasy as well. Another goal, I, I think he was maybe maybe more of a cross. I still could not work it out what it was exactly, but he went in. Well done to him. Incredible, especially since the World Cup, the second half of the season. And, and you know what? I think he's La Liga's best player this season. So well done to him. Leicester City are relegated from the Premier League, Gab. It's crazy to think that they were champions just seven years ago. Crazy to think. Uh, I, but, but I think you can go and, you know, when you have a failure like this, there's many reasons and so on. The blame needs to be shared around. I think there's some very obvious things going on here. One is they stuck with the previous manager for too long. Yeah, um, you know, I know we like to joke about Dean Smith. He looks like the guy with the yellow bib that stands by the highway. <laughs> like, you know, but, you know, I, you have to identify what was going wrong yeah. under the previous boss. Secondly, like they have the seventh or eighth highest wage bill in the Premier League. Um, a lot of the moves that they made, we pra I, I praised. Yeah. You know, they they took that money, they won. The owners invested money, they put in money, they tried the new to training grounds, built a new training ground, state of the art, this and that. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the players, partly through injuries, partly through mismanagement, some bad calls as well, I think. And and it all fell apart. I think it's definitely a cautionary tale. Mm. Um, if the owners remain committed, I think they're coming straight back up because with Dean Smith, would you keep him? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I, I I look at these relegated sides between them and and Leeds, and I tell myself these are not championship teams. Um, yeah. I, I I see no reason, even without just even flexing a little bit of financial muscle, they're straight back up. They should be. They should be. Lons beat Ajaxio 3-0 and will also be in the Champions League. Jules, they secured second place. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think they've talked about them and we've talked about them enough this mm. season because I don't know if you've got the wage bills in France ahead of you. Again, this is a team, I, I'd be surprised if they were above mid-table. Yeah, I think that's where bill. they are. Certainly the budget is is right there. Um, they were in the second division three years ago. They finished seventh last season, seventh the season before. Frank Hayes, the manager, is doing an incredible job at that club. And, and we've said it before, but some of the recruitment that they did in a very clever kind of data way, great. But I think the one really that makes them so special is that manager. He's really bright. He's still quite youngish. He's only been really coaching for three and a half years before he was coaching as an assistant or with the youth teams at the academy. All of that and what he's been achieved, what he's achieved in that really small amount of time is just incredible. So well done to him, well done to them. You know I like them a lot because their owners is a really good friend. So I've got a lot of time for them, a lot of love. Adrien Thomasson, my boy as well. Fantastic signing from them in January. It's just, yeah, wonderful club and the best fans in the country too. So. Is there a reason why you haven't mentioned Openda yet? And I was coming to it because we've... we've because he's we've going to Milan? I'm not sure if he's going to Milan. That's the thing though. I really hope and I don't have many hopes, but I do hope that it's a special squad with a special manager, as we said, that try to keep as many of them, of course, for the Champions League. But you know that obviously someone like Openda, Medina, Donso, even Sekofofana, all those guys are going to be wanted by big, big clubs. And I just hope that they can keep as many as 
they keep players as possible to have a really good season next year in the Champions League and not being finishing fourth in their group with one 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 draw and and five defeats or something like that, whatever it is. So yeah, that's all I want. Okay. So after Manchester City win the treble and Pep Guardiola decides to go and join Luciano Spalletti on uh, sabbatical yeah. on his farm, which means Mikel Arteta pulls a Benedict Arnold move yeah. and moves to uh, uh, a Judas move up back then to Manchester Arsenal City. Get Frank Hayes. Perfect. Would you rather they get Frank Hayes or would you rather get Will Still? Ooh, Ooh. no, I'll take Frank Hayes. Okay. I'll take Frank Torino coach Ivan Juric was racially abused in his team's 4-0 win over Spezia at the weekend gap. It's not just players of colour. We've seen that with Vlahovic as well and Stankovic. Yeah, and like I think this this brings up another point, right? Um, they were they were shouting at him. They were they were calling him there's several points to make. Is on the this. Gypsies on there? Like, is the so Gypsy in in some places in Italy is a catch-all slur. At uh, Slavs, yeah. know, players from from or, or people from the former uh, Eastern Europe. Um, Ivan Juric is not a. I don't even know to what degree it's appropriate to use the word gypsy, but that's the word they use. Yeah. But, you know, whether you're talking about travelers, the Romani people, the Rom, whatever. But he's not one of them. He's just a dude from Croatia, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, it wasn't ultras. It was people behind the Spezia bench. I thought what was good was the reaction. So. The referee came. The referee talked to him. Uh, they suspended the game. They applied the protocol. Emmanuel Jazzi, who himself has been racially yeah. abused in the past, he's yeah, obviously he's, he's, he's Italian, but he's of Ghanaian uh, origin. Actually, yeah. plays for Ghana. In fact, um, he came. He talked to the fans in the stand. I want to follow through because the the stand where he was abused from. These are actually you know, the pricey seats or yeah, yeah, no. as expensive yeah, 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 yeah. as seats in the Spezia Stadium come. Shouldn't be difficult to identify these people. No, this no. is not a cr- an angry crowd of ultras. And obviously under uh, the Italian FA rules, any reference to any slur related to race, ethnicity, um, religious origin uh, and, and sexuality and so on, it all gets treated the same. It does... I think it does raise an issue, especially on the ethnicity side, because or or the the the, the provenance side of it, yeah. because you know we live in England, and every time we go to watch Chelsea, we hear homophobic slurs. Yeah. Every time we watch Liverpool or Everton, we hear you know stories about scousers looking in the dustbin for something to eat, yeah, finding yeah, a dead yeah. rat, thinking it's a treat. You know all these songs, which you know might have been funny thirty years ago. But this is exactly the same thing. Yeah. So I, there is no common um, approach to this. And I just think we're at a tipping point where I think we're ready for very clear rules and ideas about what you can shout at someone in terms of abuse mm-hmm. and what you can't. So we've agreed anything to do with race is not acceptable. Here using a slur to somebody who's not of that ethnicity, yeah. should it be treated the same way? I, these are questions about yeah, my pay yeah. grade, but I, I would like to see some uniformity yeah. in, in, in Europe anyway. Meanwhile, following on from the Venetius abuse, Flamengo and Cruzeiro staged their own protest against racism on Saturday. Yeah, that was really good. I mean, they had on their shirt a, a message for Venetius as well in Brazil this weekend. It's, it's, what, it's exactly and, what we said in the last show. It's the sense that 
this story has gone worldwide. I mean, Brazil, of course, especially, uh, but that people are staying to really like be conscious of it all and the awareness I think is important yeah and I mean after kickoff uh, in the game they all they, they all sat yeah, down, down on the pitch including the referee they stopped for 39 seconds it's one of those things where obviously in Brazil is going to be more of an issue for sure uh, it's not a coincidence that you know a Brazil's a huge market Real Madrid's a huge brand La Liga's yeah. a huge brand so it's not coincidence Tebas responded immediately you know gave an interview to of us course. at ESPN yeah, Brazil yeah. um nobody's going to argue with this obviously though concrete actions have to follow and yeah. concrete actions can really only come from leagues and from law enforcement yeah. Gab you love to talk about multi-club ownership as we know City Football Group are causing legal waves in Belgium in the Belgium second division you know my views on multi-club ownership it's I generally do. been an absolute dud uh, <laughs> with some exceptions uh, but everybody thinks oh it's a great idea yeah um, so uh City Football Group, they own a club called Lommel, yeah. who are in the uh, second division. Um, there's another club called Verton, who has lodged a complaint with the European Commission against Lommel, Lommel. And it's based on the fact that they're saying that there are foreign subsidies, which are distorting the internal market. And what they're referring to is simply City Football Group, which is not part of Belgium. They're distorting the, the, uh, the market in the second division by... In fact, City Football Group, actually from outside the EU yeah, yeah, as well, yeah, yeah. Um, by by basically inflating costs and distorting the market in the second division. And they say that Lommel have no economic rationality. There's no point to Lommel other than being a receptacle for City Football Group players. Uh, like we can laugh at this and throw it no, out. No, but, like but I remind people, people laughed at Bosman as well. And then... And then he won. Yeah. Um, I do wonder that there is a strong argument to be here. Do you I think, think? I think if you're going to go down this road, you have to be a good owner. And being a good owner isn't just about um, putting players into the club and developing them and then selling them on. I think you have to you have to take greater care with the stewardship of the club. To be fair to City Football Group, as far as I know, that's what they've done in Melbourne. That's what they've done in Yokohama. They don't use this as just a place to store players and move them yeah. around. And um, but you know, Lommel may be a different case. Mm. Benfica beat Santa Clara three 0 to be crowned champions of Portugal. Jules, fair to say that they did a Paris Saint Germain and back their way uh, to the title. Yeah, I mean they've been waiting three years for this title. So it came. We've said that they had the wobbly moments in the season, especially after being knocked out of the Champions, certainly after the World Cup at the turn of the year. I think overall they were still the better team in Portugal. Roger Schmidt doing an amazing job. We've said that even after losing Enzo in January. Of course, it was maybe a little bit shaky towards the end because had they lost that game and Porto had won at the weekend, Porto would have been champions on the last day, last day of the season. That was not that was not the case. So well done to Benfica. I, but I think they need to go and reflect because it's not just Enzo leaving. How no, they yeah, were yeah, yeah. They so collapsed. dominant yeah, yeah. right up until February. They were so dominant. You know, saying oh, you know, not just best team outside the big five, but like oh, look at this. They had, they were unbeaten. They, they were unbeaten for so yeah, long yeah. and whatever. Um, and then he kind of like backed into it. Uh, I think there's lessons to be learned there. Definitely, definitely. Atletico Madrid have won the Women's Spanish Cup, beating Real Madrid in the final on penalties, Gab. Right, there's two things to say. I mean, I'm amazed that question is for you, but you know. Well, no, because I, I, I did some research on this. So first of all, I was just shocked that like, oh wait, Barcelona didn't, doesn't, didn't, no. didn't win? No. Tell us why. They were thrown out because they played an ineligible player in one of the right. year. There was, uh, there was a player who was, I guess was suspended. It wasn't clear if they were suspended yeah. or not. 
But the other reason I found interesting is um, the Spanish Cup, as you know, the men's Spanish Cup in Spain is called Copa del Rey, which yeah. means King's Cup. The women's Spanish Cup isn't called Copa del Rey Feminine or, you know, women's King's Cup. It's called the Queen's Cup. I, I don't understand this <laughs> What's wrong at all. Is it because women play, so it becomes the Queen's Cup, and men play, so it's the King's Cup? It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, I mean, the cup presumably is named for the monarch, although before that, of course, it was named for the Generalissimo yeah. Francisco Franco. Yeah. So maybe you didn't want to go down that road, but I don't understand. Like, he is king to the women as well. <laughs> yeah, of Spain, yeah, of course right? he is, but. But, like, what, what's, the, what's the logic? I have no idea. Maybe they the, wanted a different name, I don't know. What? It's it weird, right? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Just, yeah. And there's a lot of things that are unusual, but like this seems to me seems it's, like yeah. almost patronizing. I don't know. <laughs> it's not just Leicester and Leeds United, but three other illustrious, illustrious former European greats oh, are also down. Oh, no. Sampdoria in Serie A, yeah. Schalke 04 in the Bundesliga, and Espanyol in La Liga. Jules, who will you miss the most? I miss them all. Gabi, I miss them. I mean, I think, by the way, it's quickly... Espanol drew a Valencia where the refereeing was shocking in that game. Absolutely shocking. Uh, I guess maybe I miss Espanol the less of the, but I miss Sampdoria for the shirt, for the derby with Genoa who are coming back up, by the way. So they're doing the, um, I don't know, the crossover. Uh, I miss Schalke for the fans, of course, and for what they mean historically. And also they're quite funny because they're always a shambles. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a shame. And Leeds and Leicester, we mentioned Leicester before. And Leeds as well, and the Sam Allardyce experiment that went all wrong. It's always a shame, I think, when you see those big clubs going down. But but this is what you deserve in many respects. This is what those clubs deserve, right? Yeah, I mean, I think Sampdoria really emotional days. Marco Lanna coming out there, obviously former Sampdoria player, holding yeah. up Gianluca Vialli's shirt. There is some respect. It looks like they'll finally get a new owner after the, and I think I can say this. part of the problem as well. After the crook. Uh, yeah. Ferrero, I think I can say this when you've been uh, found guilty of crimes. Um, one of their owners looks like Andrea Rizzani, who's, of course, the, the Leeds, yeah. could be taking over the club, although that remains to be seen now that Leeds are relegated. There may be some question about whether how easily he can get his money out. Um, so I think they're going to come back. Schalke, like you said, I, tr ridiculous fans, I tremendous mean, fans. Incredible. Although... I also kind of feel yo-yo club of late, badly yeah. run. Yeah, for sure. Espanol is the one I feel from because... A lot of this is down to the owners. Yeah. The, these are not good owners, again. And we need to take a long, hard look at who we allow to buy into football clubs. I don't think it has to be like the NFL where there's a commissioner and people vote and it's a big boys club. But there's got to be yeah, better definitely. safeguards in place. And, and of course, and they got screwed at the weekend as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah they got done yeah, badly. <laughs> Brighton lose to Aston Villa, 2-1 at Villa Park. But they don't care. They're already, as we know, in the Europa League for next season. But Gab... How about Roberto De Zerbi saying that basically Alexis McAllister and Moises Caicedo are free to go, free to leave the club? Does uh, that bother you? No, I actually think, oh look, Brighton really are a grown-up club. They're not just a <laughs> well-run club, they're a grown-up club. I, I find it, when people don't talk about this stuff, when they're like, oh, it's just speculation, we don't comment on speculation. No, just keep lying then, right? Um, again, I don't know if as has been reported, McAllister and, and Caicedo have uh, release clauses or, or whatever. But we saw Caicedo, of course, close to leaving yeah. in, in January. He um, came out and said, this is the club's policy, right? If, if we get the price we want for the players, we're not going to keep them in. We're not going to keep saying no, mm. right? We think these guys have a, have a fair value. 
We're going to sell them and we're going to replace them with other players who we think are going to be better and to keep us competitive. And this is the reality. Until we have... Until we have equal resources, yeah. until we have uh, a salary cap or whatever you want to call it, you're going to have clubs that, you know, as we say in, in, in the U.S., uh, you know, are, are born on third base and think they've hit a triple, right? I they, they, The resources, there's just yeah, a massive resource imbalance. Yeah, yeah. And this is what you have to, com- have to do to compete. And to me, this is a bigger achievement than all those clubs and their silverware, show us your medals, blah, 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 the ambition thing. And so I'm sorry if I'm going to rain. It really <laughs> bugs the crap out of me. Same thing, like, after the Mbappe achieve, uh, saying, like, oh, Mbappe's not ambitious because if he were ambitious, he would have moved on. Moved on to where? To where? To Man City? So he can win, win more silverware, like carrying uh, uh, Holland's jockstrap? What, to, to, to Madrid? Well, I mean, he'll go there eventually, maybe. But he actually wants to win a Champions League with Paris. That means more to him. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it. I've no, really I gone to the you. point where all we're doing is just keeping score of who wins what. Guys, I'm all for that if it's, if it's fair. But you know what? As, as Leonard Cohen says, it's not fair. The war is over. The good guys lost. It's not fair. None of this is fair. Yeah. So if somebody wants to do it, celebrate it. And so if Brighton are going to be honest about it, and more power to them. Exactly. Hamburg have been waiting five years to get back where they belong yeah. in the Bundesliga. Of course. Now they thought they got it done on Saturday. They were even <laughs> celebrating. But instead, they're going to have to go through the playoffs. This was kind of embarrassing. It was so embarrassing. Yeah, their game finished. They've won. They think they're going up because at the same time, Heidenheim are losing 2-1 and it's the 93rd minute or something, which meant that Heidenheim would be third and playing the playoff uh, with the, the third team from bottom in the Bundesliga to, to go up or staying down. Uh, and Hamburg are celebrating on the beach. They're like literally kissing and hugging. Hang on a minute. Uh, I, Hendenheim scored the level at 93rd minute to make it 2-2. And then in the 90th minute, they scored the winner to make it 3-2 to overtake Hamburg in the table. So now Hamburg have to play the playoff against Stuttgart to know if they can go up home and away, of course, next week. And Hendenheim are celebrating, another team, by the way, from South Germany, celebrating the promotion. Monday. Come on. <laughs> UFR have confirmed that despite being the designated team away team, Inter Milan will get to wear the black and blue shirt in the Champions League final gap, so they're like home traditional shirt. Both Inter and City will be wearing their home kits. They have to designate an away team for they stupid for the administrative reasons, stuff, whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's great. I, I want. I don't want yeah, to see Inter wearing white. I, I, I don't like away shirts to begin with. I think you should only use... When I own a football club, I'm only going to make yeah. them wear away shirts if there's a clash with the opposition. Okay. Right? To come into my house, they're wearing yeah, my yeah. shirts, away from home, only if there's a clash. When I'm your sporting director, I'll, I'll validate that. Thank you. There is no reason for Inter to wear anything but their colors, which are black yeah. and blue. There's no reason for City to wear... Don't wear their color, which are kind of that weirdo pale blue, which I think they call <laughs> no. sky blue in country. This yeah, country sky because blue, that's the color of the sky. It's often, yeah. Yeah, it's, that's actually not what the sky looks like. That's what people in the north of England think the sky looks like. But whatever, I love it. I love it. This, this is the, this is the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. I'm hyped. I'm amped. We're gonna be there of in course. Istanbul. Roll on. Yep. Last final I saw in Istanbul, that was pretty darn it exciting. Pretty Wonder good. if this one will match it, Jules. I'm going to be back on Thursday with Roma reflecting back on the Europa League final. That's right. Mm. Yeah. Roma against Sevilla. How about that? You're taking a, a well-deserved rest, but Thank you. uh, you'll be back to the after that. Yeah. Until then, love the game. Love your neighbor. Love yourself. <laughs> <laughs>